Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show today. Special shout out to my close friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, keep fighting the fight, keep leading on. And you know, I, I really, really am excited about this show today because I think this is so important. And you know, I'll be honest with you, isn't discussed enough. And that is why I was so excited to talk to Paul and have the chance to have him join us. So, today our guest is Paul Timmons, who is the board chair of Port Light Strategies. And Paul, welcome to the show. Hi, Joy. Thanks. So, Paul, for our listeners nationally and then throughout the world when it's replayed, I thought you could begin by sharing with our listeners how you first became involved with the disability community. Um, Sure, Joyce. I'm glad to. I have uh, residual quadriplegia from something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, that uh, that began for me in the uh, fall of, of, of 1990. Um, I, I found until recently, most folks have not heard of Guillain-Barre. Uh, in the last year or so, it's been fairly closely associated with the uh, with the Zika virus. So, so there's a little more awareness um, about it. And um, early, early, early in the process, I connected with uh, uh, Mark Johnson, the director of advocacy at, at Shepherd Center in Atlanta. And uh, uh, Mark took me under his wing and, and, and got me plugged into ADAPT and Not Dead Yet and the Atlanta Paralympic Games. Mark and I have had a bunch of wonderful adventures together, I like to say. I like to say anything I've done right in the disability movement is because I listened to Mark, and, and anything I've done wrong is probably because I, I didn't. Oh, he is an awesome, awesome person, a great leader, uh, author, author of a book, and I, we were just so excited to have him with us. Hey, I have to ask you a quick question now that you've brought all this up. Paul, did you notice that people treat you differently than they did before you had a disability? Did, did you see a difference? Oh, my goodness, that's... Uh... I think that's. Uh, I think that realization came almost instantly, and and has informed uh, an awful lot of, of 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 the work that I've been involved in been involved in over the last uh, I guess it's twenty five years now. Certainly, in 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 a, in a million different ways, uh, uh, I've been treated differently. I mean, it continues. I still notice it at this point. Uh, um, I notice I notice a difference in the way people relate to me if I'm wearing long pants as opposed to if I'm wearing shorts and people can see my leg braces, Joyce. It's 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 discernible. Wow. Yeah, yeah, this does not surprise me because so many tell people tell me that after they were in a wheelchair that they saw a big difference by the way people treated them, dealt with them, looked at them. And as you well know, I live with epilepsy, so there, you know, I deal, you know, we all with epilepsy deal with stigma, but it really isn't terrible until, of course, you would have a seizure in front of someone. Then, just mm-hmm. as you said, a whole different world. But I wondered about that, and isn't it sad to say I hear that very often? It is. It is. And as I say, it goes on. It goes on to this day. No, that's terrible. Well, Paul, um, let's talk about Port Light Strategies. What is Port Light Strategies? Where are you located? Um, and, and what does Port Light Strategies do? So I love to talk about Port Light. Joyce, thanks. We are a 501c3 um, uh, Disaster relief organization. We're the only, we're the only disaster relief organization uh, in the world that focuses specifically on the disaster-related needs of people with disabilities. Uh, we got into this um, right after the American invasion of Iraq. I was, uh, I was on the board of a group that recycles medical equipment, uh, uh, a group called FODAC that's based in Atlanta. 
and and some folks from the Middle East reached out to see if we couldn't help them uh, outfit some medical clinics in, in in Iraq. So so we did, and we delivered several containers of of durable medical equipment uh, through through Jordan in, into Iraq, and and so that was that was our first real foray into this. And then there was uh, there were a few other events, notably the uh, the tsunami in, in 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 Southeast Asia. And then, of course, uh, Hurricane Hurricane Katrina uh, was the point at which we, you know, our involvement in disaster relief became became formalized. Uh, I think I think the the treatment and, and experience of people with disabilities after Katrina helps to uh, help to illustrate and bring into focus for folks um, that we we take a we take a disproportional hit in these events. And so uh, Katrina was the, Katrina was the point at which, it, which Portland and I got into this work in a, in, in a formal and meaningful way. And we've been, uh, we've been involved in, uh, I, you know, I think it's safe to say you named the disaster. We've, we've managed to touch it. That includes, uh, that includes the Haiti earthquake. We were actually involved for about a year in, in, in Haiti uh, the uh, the tsunami and the uh, the reactor issue in Japan. We've been involved in that, so we we have had a, an international footprint. Uh, um, Hurricane Rita, Hurricane Ike, certainly uh, uh, Superstorm Sandy, m- m- most recently uh, Matthew along the east uh, along the east coast. So uh, so that's so, our, that's so our you history. you do not just work in the United States then. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Now. When you were saying about when you got started, you know, with Port Light Strategies, um, I mean, from the, did you get started right after the Iraq War invasion, or when did you get started? So, so Hurricane Katrina was the was the point at which we got into this really seriously. The uh, I see the, the 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 need there was so great. Um, uh, we had. Uh, Durable medical equipment that had been left behind. Uh, we 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 uh, we began to work, uh, and we got some grant funding to help repatriate people with their durable medical equipment. Uh, uh, finding people and 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 was a was a great challenge, as you might imagine, because uh, what happened in that instance? Uh, uh, literally, people were lifted out of their wheelchairs and thrown over some soldiers back and put on an airplane and flown to God knows where. So uh, uh, there was, in fact, uh, there was, in fact, a, a fairly large cache of, of durable medical equipment at the uh, at the airport in uh, in New Orleans that, that no one knew what to do with. No one knew who it belonged to. So that was the beginning of of, of the of the of our Katrina activity, and that went on. There were housing issues. There were durable medical replacement issues. You, you can imagine. You can imagine. And then right after that, there was uh, there was Rita. And then there were, I think there was one year there were four hurricanes that hit Florida, um, and then Hurricane Ike in 2008. We were very involved in that. So the 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 catalyst for all of this in a full time way was was Hurricane Katrina, George. Yeah, and I want to I want to go back to that uh, whole thing for a minute. I know a lot of people that you know lost family members with disabilities at Katrina. I don't think people had any idea what it was like. I wonder if you could sort of paint a picture um, for our listeners <clears throat> of what happened to people with disabilities during that time. Well, a lot of us died. Uh, uh, a lot of us died, and that's worth that's worth uh, that's worth saying. I. Uh, 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 there was uh, uh, a lot of us ended up institutionalized, and I suspect, uh, and, and I and I suspect died. We were um, so. If you remember, one of the things, one of the things about Katrina that that I don't think a lot of people talk about that I think is critical, and it, and it goes to, to my belief that a lot of the work we do is about poverty. Katrina hit on the 29th of the month. Nobody had any money. And so that compounded the problem. Uh, uh, I think I think it would have been a I think it would have been a nightmare anyway. But I think that was I think that compounded the problem. People couldn't leave. They didn't have the resources to uh, they didn't have the resources to get out or or anywhere to go. But uh, we had uh, we had we had we had situations in hospitals. Uh, I, I get I get in trouble with the medical establishment for uh, saying that they triage people. 
the fact is, Katrina is a great example of how they they, they triage folks, and and frankly, our lives were our lives were devalued and, and lost in that situation uh, because there was no planning, Joyce. There was no planning, and and uh, a lot of the, the answer to a lot of this is planning. So I think Katrina illustrated for all of us that there was that there was just no meaningful planning around disaster response in general, but particularly as it as it applies to our community. Yeah, why I asked you that is you mentioned something. I know a lot of people, a lot, ended up in nursing homes. That's uh, right. be- because I know uh, Nickel and ADAPT and different groups were, you know, were trying to get involved with that because that's just what happened. And just as you said, people died. They couldn't get out. Um, so you know what? Thank goodness you're involved now. That's what I have to say. Thank goodness, because um, I do believe that we were, how can I say this, at the bottom of the barrel. Even oh, if, I don't even know if we were in the barrel. I don't even know I'm about not, that. I, but, I, I think uh, in a lot of ways we weren't in the barrel. And to your point, not only did people end up in nursing homes, but, but we lost them into nursing homes. We didn't, we, we didn't and still don't know where they are. We don't know where they went. And um, and that's true today, 11 and whatever it is, a half years later. No kidding. Oh, my. Well, listen, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Paul Timmons, the board chair for Port Light Strategies. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Paul. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. For those in leadership positions with corporations, governments, nonprofits, and educational institutions, please pay attention. Are you aware that 10 to 15% of your potential clients are unable to use your websites properly? At AudioEye, an advanced technology has been created that eliminates accessibility issues and levels the playing field for all. Make the Internet a meaningful resource for millions of more people. Go to AudioEye.com. More accessible, more usable, more people. Call on AudioEye today. Visit audioi.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking to Paul Timmons, the board chair of Port Light Strategies. And before we go on, Paul, I had a question. Uh, how do people make a donation to Port Light Strategies? Uh, oh, I'm glad to answer that. Portlight.org, P-O-R-T-L-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G. Uh, there's a PayPal button there that, uh, that uh, I'd be delighted to see people light up. Portlight.org. Thanks, Joyce. You're welcome. Uh, and you know, we all want help, right? But you can't get help 
without money, just as Paul was talking about the people in poverty that couldn't get out. So with Port Light Strategies, they need money to help more people. So one more time, how do they make a donation, Paul? Portlight.org, P-O-R-T-L-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G, PayPal button. Okay, portlight.org. That's good. Now, um, Paul, you work with a lot of different organizations. So tell us who they are. I know you work with FEMA, uh, and I know the disability community is supportive of your work, but who all do you work with in the government? So over the last few years, we've begun to take on a, a, a pretty meaningful advocacy role in addition to our direct response role. We launched a conference series called Getting It Right that we have uh, around the country. We have, I think, three scheduled this year where we bring people from the disability community together with emergency managers. We work very, very closely with NICL. Uh, we have a, a formal MOU with NICL, and we work extremely closely with the, ind- with the independent living centers uh, in impacted areas, we have a, 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 a we have an MOA with uh, with FEMA. We do a tremendous amount of work with uh, the Office of Disability Inclusion and Coordination at FEMA. We have been Red Cross partners. We work very closely with them, and I'm I'm probably going to talk about the Red Cross uh, a little more. You know, Marcy Roth went to FEMA seven years ago, and and started literally from nothing and built uh, 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 the Office of Disability Inclusion and Coordination there, where she now has, uh, I think it's close to 200 uh, deployable reservists. We work very closely. These are, these are subject matter experts that we work with very closely. Uh, we're close to signing an MOA with um, NDRN, the National Disability Rights Network. Uh, we work very closely with... Uh, uh, all of the stakeholder or, or organizations, Joyce, and 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 depending upon you know, where an event is and the nature of an event, we'll work very closely with the local uh, with local stakeholder, uh, local disability stakeholder organizations as, as well. You know what, Marcy is awesome. She is. She yes. did a great job. She is a great person, a great leader, and she will be missed because she really got the disability community engaged. I mean, she's just, she's one of the best people. I love Marcy. Um, you mentioned the Red Cross. Tell me, what do you do with the Red Cross? So, um, I think it's safe to say the Red Cross probably had no more vocal public critic than me for a long, long time. They kept bungling it with us, Joyce, and in the uh, uh, fall of 2015, we had the California wildfires. They, they, uh, there, were, there were some real serious issues there, including they lost a couple of our people from shelters to nursing homes, uh, and so I was, really, I was really turning up the criticism of them, and then the South Carolina floods came right on the heels of that. That was in my own backyard. I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, and they bungled they bungled it with our community there too. So, so I increased the noise even more. And Brad Kaiserman had just come to the Red Cross as their vice president of operations and logistics. Prior to that, he had been the chief counsel for FEMA. Brad came to Charleston. We talked, and Brad said, "Will you come on board and help us get this right?" And so, and so I did. So I spent most of last year um, with a pretty free reign. I have to give them great credit. They took their they took their biggest critic, me, and gave me pretty free reign to 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 stick my nose under the tent and see what things looked like and begin to create a uh, a disability infrastructure because uh, the Red Cross was a a vast wasteland of of disability competency. Not only that, it's a, it's a big organization, it's an old organization, and it's an organization that's heavily invested in medical model philosophy. So over the course of last year, um, we were able to, to create some trainings and deliver, I think I spoke to about 15,000 Red Crossers last year uh, doing, doing trainings. We created a, an infrastructure so that they have disability point people in each of their uh, 62 regions in each of their seven divisions, and then uh, and then we stood up uh, 
a national disability integration coordinator in that job. That was Sherry Myers. Sherry had worked for me for four and a half years. And there's, there's, as, as much as I hated to lose her, um, I don't think there's a better person to, to be, to be continuing to build upon the foundation we, we laid at the Red Cross. Sherry has been deployed, it deployed into, uh, several dozen disasters and, uh, and they're doing better. They're, they're not there yet. Technically, the Red Cross is doing better, uh, largely because they're able to deploy Sherry into these, into these events. Strategically, they still have a ways to go, but they're they're moving. They're moving in the right direction, by and large. Well, that's great. But see, see it's what happens news. when you, when you speak up. You know, Tony Coelho has a saying: when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. And you know what? If you don't, change won't happen. I commend you for that, Paul. I do. I commend you you for that. That's really great that you uh, did that because obviously it did make, it did make a difference. You know, when people are listening to the show, sometimes I think they don't realize this. They have really no idea um, of what goes on when there's a disaster uh, in reference to people with disabilities. do you agree with me? Like, do you think people know? Um, and if they don't, what, what do you think we can do to change that? So, so welcome to my world. I deal with this every single day. Uh, it's really, really tough to get people interested in the disaster that hasn't happened, Joyce. Uh, and, and it's understandable. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it, you know, all of our stakeholder organizations are doing all sorts of important work and and it's and it's and it's not something that they have to look at immediately so so it's really tough to get anybody interested in the disaster that hasn't happened yet so what what I'm trying to do and I'm, I want to I want to talk about some things that 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 Marcy is actually working with us on now but what we're trying to do is is do Community organizing all across the country within the disability community around this, around these issues, because uh, what we're finding is, is when it's all said and done, a lot of this is about relationships, and and we see where the, where there are relationships and where there has been planning as a result of those relationships, things are going more smoothly. And by relationships, I mean between our stakeholder organizations and local emergency, local and state emergency management people. Where those relationships don't exist, when when a disaster strikes, it becomes far more problematic uh, because you're then trying to connect people in the middle of the disaster aftermath, and that's usually pretty chaotic and not very um, not very fruitful often. So we're trying to do some community organizing around that, so that uh, so that we have a network around the country uh, of, of folks who who are prepared for this and ready for this and have 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 the capacity to dive in when the time comes. Well, do we talk about this very much across the United States in the disability groups? I mean, do you feel we do? We're beginning to. Uh, So I mentioned that Portlight has begun to do uh, um, a fair amount of uh, advocacy uh, work. Um, Our our, our highest and best purpose purpose Joyce is doing direct relief work. Marcy and I have been talking for two or three years now about the need for there to be a national coalition um, of stakeholder organizations who have an interest in this. To that end, we have created what we call the Partnership for Inclusive Disaster Strategies. And if you let me plug the website, that's disasterstrategies.org, disasterstrategies.org. The partnership is a national coalition of, of organizations. I think we have about, uh, I think we're close to 30 uh, 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 sign-on organizations at this point. And, and, and so we're letting, we're letting the partnership, for instance, uh, uh, take ownership of our Getting It Right series. Portlight designed a college curriculum for emergency managers uh, that we've just rolled out this year. It's actually uh, being taught in 11 states. Interesting to note, it's possible... Uh, there are 52 schools with emergency management programs, and up until this year, it was possible to get a degree in emergency management without ever hearing the word disability. So, 
So we're trying to change that. And to your question, do we talk about it a lot? We're beginning to. Uh, the Nickel Emergency Preparedness Subcommittee, which is uh, chaired by Christy, or co-chaired by Christy Dunaway from Mississippi, and Cherry Myers, who's now with the Red Cross, has really taken a significant leadership role on this. Uh, AUCD has just signed an MOA with FEMA. NDRN is about to sign an MOA with FEMA. Nickel has had one for some time now. So we're really beginning to talk about it. And I'm just I want to tell you, Marcy is actually going to be working very closely with us in developing the partnership. So uh, there's a little there's a little news for you. Oh, great! Uh, is Marcy doing consulting? She is. Wow, you are so lucky. She is a uh, national are, expert. I mean, that so is awesome. She, yes, you got you got one of the best people nationally. She is fabulous. She and I have worked together closely for a long, long time in this, and it's great to be able to really be working together uh, uh, out in the open light of day. So the partnership is going to be the focal point for a lot of this. Uh, We want to see each of the states organized around this, and and some states are. There are a few states that are doing a great job. We want to see all 50 states and all the territories uh, engaged in this. So that was a long, circuitous way of answering your question. Yes, we are beginning to talk about this in the, in the community, Joyce. Yeah. You know what? Let me ask you this question. Do you see a big difference in the South when it comes to this? I'm meaning, is it worse or is it the same across the country? So that's a great question, and we talk about that a lot. Myself, uh, June Kales, who's uh, out in California, is a subject matter expertise a subject matter expert on this. Uh, certainly in the South, we have more experience with hurricanes and tornadoes. Uh, I think uh, 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 Sandy offered us the opportunity to sort of compare and contrast around what you're asking. Um, there are some ways There are some ways in which I think the sense of community may be stronger down here. Uh, I think the logistics are, are certainly more problematic in, in, in dense urban environments. Uh, uh, Sandy, Sandy showed us that. Um, so, 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 so in that way, it's different. Um, on the other side of that is, I think in some of the ur- more uh, urban northern environments, there may be, there may be more access to more um, immediate emergency management um, um, material and, and people. Here's the thing. Every one of these disasters is, is utterly unique. And so, and so the response becomes pretty quickly becomes unique. And, uh, and at the end of the day, it's incumbent upon the, the local emergency managers, the Red Cross, FEMA. It's in, in my opinion, it's incumbent upon the people who are in this business to, to do it in a way that ensures people's civil rights. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, and we're going to get ready to go to break, but I want to first thank Highmark, Covestro, and that great audio eye, who are sponsors of this show. Thank you so much. Uh, Highmark is the lead sponsor, headquartered right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters. Don't go away. We'll be back with Paul. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. If you just joined us, we're talking to Paul Timmons from Port Light Strategies, and we are talking about disaster recovery, emergency management for people living with disabilities. Uh, So important. I hope you're going to tell everyone about this show because they can go back and listen to it at BenderConsult.com. BenderConsult.com. It's so important, so make sure you do that. Um, hey, Paul, on your Facebook, Facebook site, do you provide on, any advice on how to prepare for an uh, upcoming disaster? So, Joyce, that stuff is uh, more to be found on our website at, portlight, at portlight.org. Um, uh, there's some... Uh, um, there, there's a there's a function there, and I'm sorry I don't remember which button it is. But I hope it's I hope it's fairly easy to navigate. One of the things that we're going to be doing with the partnership is setting up our website as a uh, a source of some of the best practices. There's a lot of stuff out there around that. Uh, some of it's better than some other of it, and so one of the things that Marcy and I and and June Kales are going to be working on is. Uh, Going through what's available out there, and 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 determining what we think is workable and 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 potentially productive, and put it on the disasterstrategies.org website so that individuals can access it, but also so that our stakeholder organizations can access it. And that's at your website. And that'll be at the disasterstrategies.org website. There are. So can I say a couple of words about this whole individual planning business? Oh, yes, absolutely. So so there's a lot of talk about having an individual plan, and I, I certainly think it's prudent for, for everyone to have a plan, including those of us with, with, with disabilities. But I like to quote the boxer, Mike Tyson, about this. He said, I thought poetically, everybody has a plan, until they get punched in the mouth. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't want the obsession with people having individual personal plans to in any way mitigate the responsibility of local emergency managers and state emergency managers and, and the Red Cross and FEMA. I, 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 don't, I, don't want, I don't want the focus on individual plans to mitigate their responsibility to be accessible in the, in the provision of their services. So, so while I think it's a great idea to have a plan, have an idea of where you're going to go, have an idea of how you're going to get there, consider your medications, um, um, consider your service animals or your comfort animals or companion animals. All of these things are, are, are great to sort of have, have in mind. But at the end of the day, I want to be real careful that nobody's using that, um, uh, to, frankly, to do scapegoating. Uh, which we've seen. It's the responsibility of the people who are in this business to do it in an accessible manner. What do you mean by scapegoating? There have been a number of situations where people, um, um, well, in fact, there was one specific situation where a woman, where a woman, uh, where a woman died. It was in one of the California wildfires. She, she had a great plan. Um, because of a, a cascading host of events, 
um, she and her attendants just weren't able to execute the plan. And so there was some there was some mumbling there was some mumbling that perhaps her plan wasn't any good. And uh, I just want to be careful that we uh, that, that, that so that's what I mean by scapegoating. From time to time, it's easy to to look at people who are, are impacted by this and say, well, if they just had a better plan or if they didn't have a plan, uh, then they. Oh, I, I then can they see that would be so easy. That would be right. so easy for people to do. You know, it's always. It's them. It wasn't me. It's that they're Correct. not even in those persons, that person's situation. So they really don't, you know, have any comprehension of this. But yeah, that's right. really uh, that's really sad. That's that that's that's terrible. Um, so, Paul, what do you worry about the most with this? What concerns you the most? Um, because of, well, so a couple of things, evacuation, uh, accessible evacuation planning, the transportation piece really concerns me. I actually evacuated, uh, uh, the coast of uh, Georgia for Hurricane Matthew. And there were a million people coming through the state of Georgia from Florida. And, and it was, a um, uh, it was a complete, it was a complete sideshow. There were no shelters. There were no accommodations. Uh, the interstate was locked down, not moving. The exits were all covered up with people, and so there was no. So there was. So there was. From from what I could see, uh, there'd been no attempt to plan around that. So the evacuation piece, accessibility around the evacuation piece, is very concerning. Is very concerning to me. Um, um, we have a long way to go uh, with shelter accessibility. Um, uh, getting the service animal piece right continues to be a challenge for the for the red for the Red Cross. Um, so so those are the those are the two pieces that 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 generally keep me up at night. And then the other piece is is, is long term long term housing. We've seen in Louisiana and in South Carolina. We've seen in California. You know, accessible housing on the best of days can be a challenge, Joyce. Uh, um, after after a flood or after a hurricane or after a wildfire, it becomes uh, it, it becomes exponentially more problematic. So long-term housing is another piece that, that keeps me up at night. Yeah, I wondered <laughs> if you were in a home and, it, uh, you know, in a wheelchair, there was a flood, and you had gone up to the second floor, I wondered, wh- what do they do to get that person out? Hmm. So, so... So that's so that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? Uh, uh, I, I think we've seen you. You mentioned Katrina; they just didn't bother to get him out. Uh, in, in in some cases, in that situation, um, uh, we've also seen um, um, an example very recently. Um, the latter part of last year, I, I know of a story of a woman. Uh, the floodwaters were rising. She had a service animal. She had a service dog, and the uh, the local emergency manager that came in the boat to get her told her that she couldn't take the uh, the service dog with her, and which was incorrect. And 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 as a matter of fact, the Red Cross was ready, willing, and able, but but, but this guy hadn't gotten that word, and so she was left in the house and uh, ended up with no food, no power, no water. It was a horrible situation. So. Uh, so, so those are the sorts of things that we have to begin to develop relationships with these uh, local emergency managers, so that we can so that we can train them and teach them and and make them aware that uh, there's not a disaster loophole to ensuring people's civil rights. So, you would be if you got enough funding, you could go into uh, some type of. Uh, contract with with different organizations across the United States, so that they would know what to do in all those situations. And we're beginning, to, and we're beginning to do that. And that's one of the things that that Marcy Roth and I are, are are working on is exactly is exactly that. She has a wealth of knowledge. Uh, uh, she's a great trainer. She understands. You know, the other piece that she understands is that is that uh, during the recovery phase, there are billions of dollars with a B available to communities 
uh, every single dollar of which has to be um, spent in an accessible fashion. And so one of the things that Marcy and I are working on is it, in, empowering and teaching our stakeholder organizations how to get their hands on that. Because in a lot of cases, these, these monies are given to the state, and the state just doesn't know the right people in our community to, uh, to contract with uh, for case management, for housing, for transportation, et cetera, et cetera. So one fairly important piece of this is going to be teaching these folks to, uh, teaching our folks to get their hands on, on some of the su- substantial federal dollars that flow into a state after an event. Right. Well, um, and I, I want to encourage you, if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, wow, I'd love for him to talk to this organization. Remember, Port Light Strategies is how you find Paul Timmons. And with that, we're going to go to break and then come back to close the show with Paul Timmons from Port Light Strategies. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985... Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training in technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. If you just tuned in, we've been talking to Paul Timmons, board chair for Port Light Strategies about disaster recovery, emergency management for people living with disabilities, people like me with epilepsy. So many people with epilepsy across the country, unlike me, have ongoing seizures or use a chair. Um, And, you know, all these things we're talking about, it's just all groups, all groups of people with disabilities that can be impacted so much by this. So, you know, we're so grateful, Paul, for what you're doing. Um, But, you know, you have great passion and dedication, and any time that happens, I know that person has a role model. So that's what I wanted to know from you. Who, who is your role model? Who has given you this uh, this passion you have? I have, I have several joys. I think my towering role model is probably Jimmy Carter. I think he's been a very, a very thoughtful, intelligent. Bold, courageous leader. I think his uh, I think his life has mattered. I think his his faith has manifested itself as a as a blueprint for action. Uh, I've been uh, blessed to meet him several times. Uh, I've read every word he's ever written, and so uh, 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 if I could be if I could be a small fraction of the man he is, I would be I would be pleased. You know what? He is awesome. And I have read some of those books, and they are just 
so profound, so good. And boy, he lives it now, not just when he was president. He's still kicking. Habitat for Humanity, so many other things. I mean, yeah, well, you you described him very well. It's just goodness. And how about the groups you've worked with, Paul, the not-for-profits? Which ones have impacted you there? Well, I, I, I have to say adapt and not dead yet because they both speak to, to my personal experience with my illness and my disability. And so uh, uh, my, my, blood runs, my blood runs adapt and not dead yet, uh, and I, I, it always, and always will. Now that's nickel. interesting. Nickel. I, nickel. 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 Okay. I'm a big nickel fan. Now here's what's interesting to me. I get it about adapt and nickel. Tell me why not dead yet? Who, by the way, we know and have had Diane Coleman on the show several times. She's wonderful. Steve's a great friend. For me specifically, it's because I was uh, I was I was in the ICU near death for many many months, and most of the medical experts were encouraged, trying to encourage my family to pull the uh, pull the plug on me, and uh, I'm really delighted that they didn't. And um, and so and so the work that Steve and Diane and Anita and John Kelly do uh, it really is very personal personal to me, and. And it also connects back to the conversation we, the way we began this conversation, um, uh, the expendability of some of our folks um, in, 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 in the emergency management history, um, I think is a direct tie into the work that they do. You know what? That is so terrible. I mean, I know that happens, but that story you just told, so terrible. Um, I, I mean, that happens. That right. happens. The right. doctors tell families that. And as you said, Absolutely. thank God your family didn't listen. Were you in a coma or what was the situation? Yeah, I was. I was in a coma for several months. And uh, so, so, yeah. I'm, I, guess those I'm, doctors I'm were, I guess those doctors were surprised when, you know, here you are. I'm delighted they didn't kill me, Joyce. Oh, Lord. Unbelievable. <laughs> Well, you have, thank God they didn't, because then you wouldn't have been able to help us so much. And you have accomplished so much in your life. But I wanted to ask you, of all those things, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Oh, that's easy. I have two kids, George and Holly, who have, uh, you know, in spite of their upbringing, turned into just really cool adults. And uh, to the extent that I had a hand in that, I think they're my I think they're my greatest accomplishment, Joyce. And thank you for asking. That is so awesome. That is. And how about now from a work side? How about the fact that you're doing all this for the for people with disabilities in America? I feel that's a tremendous accomplishment. I. Uh... Uh, I, I like to say, uh, I had this conversation with Marcy and June and a lot of us. I think the goal here is for us all to work ourselves out of a job. Uh, when the Red Cross and the emergency management people uh, get it, then, uh, then, uh, then I think we can declare victory. And until you, then, though, I think we, we need to keep fighting. What did you do, Paul, that really worked to get them to listen to you? Because I can just envision like the work I do, I can just envision at the beginning that they were sort of like not wanting to bother. The, the, the turning point was that they hired Brad Kaiserman from FEMA to be their vice president of operations and logistics. He had worked with Marcy at FEMA and seen what she had done, uh, and, and, and he realized that... Uh, he, he realized that I was in a position to be able to help them, and, and so... It, his his willingness and his vision was the was was the turning point uh, uh, in terms of being able to to pierce to pierce that to pierce that veil a little bit. And to their credit, I had been extremely critical of them very publicly for a long, long time. Uh, it took it, it it took a certain degree of courage to to, to to bring me into the door. Frankly, I think they knew they weren't getting it right. I just don't think they knew how to address that. 
And how about Marcy? Wow, she really had a challenge at the federal government, didn't she? Marcy took, so, so FEMA had one disability integration coordinator, and it was, uh, you know, it was somebody, I think that was statutorily required that they have a single disability integration coordinator, and it was, it was somebody at a, at a workstation in the basement with, 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 with no voice, and, and that's where she began, and she, 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 turned it around and built something, I think, that's lasting and sustainable. And Craig Fugate, the administrator, also gets a tremendous, just past administrator, gets an awful lot of credit for giving Marcy the sea room to, uh, to do what she did there. Uh, she couldn't have done it without, without, his, without his support. And so uh, he'll always get some significant credit with me. Well, hey, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest today, but uh, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Get involved. Get involved early. Reach out to me at paul at portlight.org, and we'll help, help you get plugged into your local and state emergency management folks. Start developing those relationships. Take advantage of opportunities to speak and meet these folks. And, uh, um, um, you know, uh, Mark Johnson always said, if they don't see us, we don't exist. So make sure they see us. Right. Make sure they see us is right. Uh, again, Paul Timmons, chair board for, for uh, Port Light Strategies, a not-for-profit organization making a difference in emergency management and disaster recovery for people with disabilities. Uh, and, you know, we went end every show with a quote, and today that quote is this, I seldom think about my limitations, and they never make me sad, said Helen Keller. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.